0: is 1998. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I've been meditating on 1998 because I've noticed something real interesting about 1998. I'll see if y'all have noticed this. I've noticed that nobody's saying anything about 1998. It's like the prophets are silent. And I'm going, God. Because when, when 1997 was coming at the end of 96, I mean, for several months, we started hearing days of heaven in 97. And, uh, you know, we started hearing those kind of things. And we started hearing, you know, the year of God's release and the year of jubilee and the year of favor. And we started to hear those things. No, no, God's not saying anything about 1998. I mean, I've been reading Brother Copeland's letter. Well, Brother Copeland, you ain't saying anything. I've been reading Brother Hagen's letter. Brother Hagen's not saying anything. Nobody's saying anything. I've been asking the Lord, God, why does nobody say anything? I've been meditating this in my heart. Why are they not saying anything? And I think he told me why he's not saying anything. Why he's not speaking about it. When there's nothing it's but the reason I think the Lord's not saying anything is because nothing's changing. I mean, in this it's still days of heaven. It's still Jubilee. It's still the year of victory. It's still the year of God's release. Glory. Glory. Amen. Yeah. It's just more good, more blessing. So if you didn't reap everything you wanted to reap in ninety seven. You still got ten days, but but on December thirty first, if you didn't get everything you wanted squeezed out of it, that's okay, because it's more of the same in nineteen ninety eight, more favor in nineteen ninety eight, more blessing, more abundance. In fact, I just think it's multiplied. Is what it is. I think it's increased. Because I don't know about you, but i got more of it on me. I've got more of that favor on me right now in 1997 than I did in January of 1997. I don't know. There's just something. It's been like a build-up all this year. I mean, it's just been building on me. It's been building in me, and it's building on me. And I'll tell you what, I'm going into 1998. I, I can tell you, I'm different than I was going into 97. I'm certainly different than I was going into 96. Amen? And I know you're different too. I tell you what, I got, I've got. i got, I caught this. I've got a hold of it. Amen? You, and, and so it's more of the same in 98. More of the same. More favor. Now I know that you heard, and I heard this too, days of heaven in 97, 98, hell's gate. Did y'all hear that? I believe that. But I've meditated that this whole year, and I believe when God spoke about that, that He was speaking... About the, You know, sometimes God's talking about a spiritual realm and sometimes He's talking about a natural realm. And I, as I've meditated that, and as I've studied the Scriptures this year and meditated on favor and meditated on the things God has for the body of Christ and where we're going, I believe when God said that 98 was hell's gate, I believe He was saying, He was speaking about the natural. He wasn't talking to the church. He was talking to the church, but He wasn't talking about the church. And you know, in a sense, 97, we took days of heaven in 97 and we took it over in the spiritual realm and we grabbed hold of it. And I don't know about you, but I begin to lay hold of some things that I could have had in 96 and 95 and 94 because you know the truth is that God has intended from the time you were born, the day you were born, that every day of your life be a day of heaven. That is God's plan. Did y'all know that? So when God said days of heaven in 97, He wasn't bringing in some new revelation. Because family, He wanted you to have days of heaven in 96. And He wanted you to have days of heaven in 95. But there was an increased anointing to, to, uh, to, to get a hold of some things. To get a hold of favor and some things like that, okay? But we took that over in the spiritual realm and we've applied it and it's been good and it's blessed me. I'm still saying days of heaven in 97. It personally helped me, but if you think about it in the natural, really most of the world has had ninety-seven has been sort of a days of heaven for them, in a sense. I mean, by what by by that I mean, if you just look at natural things, it had the world has the world has it's been fairly decent out there. I mean, I know there's some places on Earth where there's some bad things. But, you know, just as in a general sense, even the heathen, you know, 97. But but Malachi talks about that day that's coming when you're going to be able to see a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. And I think in 98, we're going to begin to see that split. It's going to start. Now, I'm not saying the full potential, but we're going to start seeing that split in the difference between uh, the heathen and the saved and the unsaved, the righteous and the unrighteous, if you would. And, and and we're going to begin to see in the natural realm, Hell's, uh, Hell's Gate is going to begin to operate there. And the world's, it's not going to be the status quo. It's not going to be business as usual for the world. I don't know how significant the changes are. I'm not a prophet. I'm not even, you know, I don't, I just, you know, and meditated these things myself. But I think the world's going to start seeing, it's, it's, not going, to be, it's going to start being harder. The way of the transgressor is hard. We talked about that this morning, and it's going to be start being harder for the world. Now it may be tremendously hard. I don't know. There may come a cataclysmic. I mean, it may it may be horrible, or it may just be a gradual thing when where the where the where it begins to be harder out there in the world. And I know in some places you go into the inner city, it's already hard. I know in some places if you're in Bosnia, you could say, how could it get worse? You know. But I'm talking about, you know, the whole world in a general sense is asleep. They're they're just going through life. They're not, you know, they're not saying, they're not aware that they have, as a general sense. But, and if you just really look on the righteous and the unrighteous, you you know, if you look at our neighbors and you look at us, you can't tell much difference. Now, I know there's a difference. But they don't know there's a difference. (laughs) They hadn't figured out yet, man, there's something neat about y'all. There's something special about y'all. There's something on y'all. Or if they have, they hadn't mentioned it. <laughs> They've never mentioned it. Um, but 98, that that distinction. And I think we're going to see some things in the world that we're going to say, yeah, hell's gates are beginning to operate against the world. Now, we're going to be dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. But those Christians that are out there asleep. Those Christians that are out there and they're just operating according to the world system and those to the uncommitted and the uh the lukewarm, then that hell's gate's gonna touch them somewhere. But you're not gonna be touched. You're not the uncommitted, you're the uncommitted aren't in church on Sunday night. The uncommitted aren't in church on Thursday nights. They're not there. And you're going to be over there in the secret place of the Most High God. And they're going to, and they're going to notice something's different about you. I mean, when, 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 when things are bad, you're going to have joy. When they're sick, you're going to be well. Amen. Well, praise God. So that's some things about 98. And I hope that that helped you. I hope that that answered some of the questions that maybe you've been having in your own heart about 98. What's coming? Because nobody's been saying much. Well, it's more the same. More victory, more favor, more blessing. Big money cometh to me now. Big money comes to me easy in nineteen ninety eight. Amen. Money to to finance the gospel. Money. i have told. Uh, Colin talking about setting his goals, and Pastor's going to be talking to y'all in the uh, upcoming weeks about visions and goals for 1998 but it's not too early to start meditating on what you're going to do financially and set some financial goals i'm not talking about where you're going to you know what stock market you're going to invest in i'm talking about like colin said this morning about what ministries you're going to sow into amen And, and and uh And where you're gonna put your seed, and thinking about increasing that. I don't know about you, but you just you you just can't be led by the spirit and just. Well, I'm just I I gave five dollars last year, and I'm gonna give five again this year. No, I'm telling you, even if all you give is five dollars, something in you and it's the Holy Ghost is compelling you at least to give six next year. There's just something that says I gotta increase this. And I, family, don't I? It never, you know, I don't even concern myself. Well, do you think we can afford to give that much? I don't ask myself that question. I ask myself, Holy Ghost, what are you saying give? I don't, I don't sit down and get a piece of paper and say, okay, we make this much. And okay, if I give this much. I, don't, I say, Holy Ghost, how much you want me to give? And he tells me, you know, last year we took a big, big step of faith and we committed, we committed a certain amount every month to ten ministries, not counting our tithes and offerings here. I'll just tell you what we committed. We committed to tithe, to give in every offering at Word of Life Family Church on top of our tithe. In other words, if we come in on Sunday morning and we tithe, then the other two offerings that week, we give some sort of an offering. Actually, we have kind of a set amount. Because we want seed. I don't want to harvest seed once a month. And if you only sow once a month, you're going to reap once a month. I need to reap more often than that. And so I sow in every... Oh, I say I. I mean our family. I One of us puts something in every offer at Word of Life Family Church. And then we've been in numerous meetings throughout the year. And, you know, the Holy Ghost led us to give at all of those too. And so that's seed in the ground that I have. But besides that, the Holy Ghost led us last year to commit to ten ministries. And so we committed and we supported on a, and, and you know, if I'd have looked at that at the beginning of last year, because see, we came from, uh, I'm getting into our personal stuff, but sometimes y'all need to know some things. I won't say too much. Um, besides, I don't have anything secret. But we came from Texas. We were out of debt, but it cost us big to get to Alabama. And, we, and, and so we got some debt. And so if you'd have looked at it in the ni- in, at the beginning of 97, you'd have said, there's no way you need to commit to 10 ministries, but by the grace of God. We, we we did it every month by the grace. And you know what? We came out at the end of 97 looking better than we went into 97. We came out better. See, just you follow the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I didn't mean to get on that, but I tell you, I guess I'm just going to help you tonight. Just going to help you on a bunch of subjects. And so you need to be meditating that. You need to be spending some time. We're going to have a... Some services that we're not having this Thursday and the next Thursday. And so you need to spend some time meditating and praying about goals and things like that. And letting the Holy Ghost just, you know, sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil and pray in the Spirit and just let some things come up in your heart. Jot them down on on the paper and then think about them. Just meditate them. And you know, sometimes you and you can just weigh them over a couple of weeks period and you'll know if they just stick around, they're God. And if they don't stick, they're not. You know, I had an idea last night. I went out in the garage. Michael was out in the garage doing something and I said, I had a good idea. And I told him my idea and 30 minutes later I didn't like the idea. See, not every idea is God. See, that one wasn't, obviously. That was just, and it was a good idea, but, but 30 minutes later I didn't like it. Well, that wasn't God. So if you get an idea and you write it down and two weeks later you still yeah. like it. I mean and it still feels good and it still witnesses to your heart. Well it's God. Amen. It's his leading. Hallelujah. So that's helping you. Well now I, I now I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna get to what I've got in the word here in a second. But I'll tell you one other thing. Is uh you know uh next Thursday's Christmas and of course we don't wanna have service on Christmas Day and uh and, and you none of us would be fit for anything. We just you'd just be too full of turkey you all would just waddle in here. You know, it would just be pitiful, you know. We're not going to be full of turkey at our house. We've had enough of that stuff. It's over. Turkey's over at our house. Y'all want to know what we're having for Christmas? We're having a Texas Christmas. We're having brisket. Now, y'all don't even know what brisket is, but... Everybody, let me... You can buy and say, I do, I do. And we have... We're, and you can't even buy the stuff we cook our brisket in in Alabama. We had to import it. It's called Claude's Brisket Sauce, and you can only get it in Texas. And so we're going to soak our brisket in Claude's Brisket Sauce, and then we're going to cook it. And we're going to have brisket and red beans and, and... Y'all call them pintos, but we call them red beans. Amen? So... Y'all looking at me like that sounds weird. <laughs> okay, but anyway, the next week on Thursday, you know, it's New Year's Day, and we're not going to have service because y'all wouldn't be worth killing that night either. We know it, and you know, it just it just wouldn't. But on Wednesday night, and I just going to make this available to you. If the Lord leads you fine on Wednesday night, New Year's Eve. Pastor is going to be ministering in Moulton, Alabama. They're having a New Year's Eve service at. uh one of our friends up there, Tony Collins Church, and I just got it in my heart to invite any of you that want to go to Moulton, Alabama. They got a nice little hotel in Moulton. Moulton's a little bitty town it's in North Alabama somewhere. Go to Coleman, turn left, and go over and uh there and the, I think the service doesn't start till nine o'clock Thursday night, and pastor's going to preach, and then they're going I don't know they're gonna have stuff to eat and all but they're also going to have this other guy that's an evangelist. Can't remember his name, but I know, he, man, he's a preacher. I'm telling you, he's a preacher. And I think somewhere around midnight, he's going to fire it up. So if God puts it in your heart to go with us, get you a motel room there. Well, we'll eat out that night. And we'll, stay, we'll have a good time. We'll play and have fun. We'll get up the next morning late, and we'll eat breakfast, and then we'll stroll back to Tuscaloosa. Okay, so just if the Lord puts it on your heart and you'd like to do that, if you've got any adventure in you, but if you don't, well, just stay home. Anyway, we're going to be up late ministering in Mouth Alabama. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. I think there's one hotel in town, so you'll have to... Well, there might be more than one, but there's one good one. One restaurant. No, it's a little town. Has a good church, though. Good pastor. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Hallelujah. Now, are y'all warmed up yet? Amen. Y'all don't think I'm weird because I'm having brisket for Christmas dinner. Sounds good? What time? (laughs) What time? Well, I tell you what, if y'all are nice, I might cook one for you sometime. On a not, on not on a Christmas day, but on a day you can come. But y'all can be thinking about us when we're eating our brisket. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This is a Scripture that means a lot to me. It says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Let's read that again. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is such a powerful scripture for walking in health, for healing. For being protected and for being kept by God and it says there until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For being for 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 not for being preserved, for being held held on to and being protected. Not just in our spirit. God's not just wanting to take care of your spirit and get you to heaven when you die. He wants to preserve your whole spirit and your whole soul, which is your mind, and your will, and your emotions, and your whole body. And if you think about that, and you meditate on that, family, He wants you preserved Preserved there. That word means to keep, to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard, to keep one in the state in which He is. To keep you in the state in which you are. To keep you, however you are right now, that's how you need to stay. Now, get me, you need to be preserved in that. I mean, I'm talking about when Jesus Christ comes and appears in His glory, that we're going out of here healed, whole, and healthy. That you, if I'm telling you what, you're going out with all of your fingers, everyone you have now, and all of your toes, everyone you have now. Amen? And every organ in your body, you're still. I'm gonna go out with it. I'm not gonna go out of here. I'm not gonna. I'm going out of here with my lungs, my kidneys, my uh, whatever you've got, your heart. You know. Now you may, and you may before you got to know Jesus Christ, you may have had a lung removed. You may have had a, a something may be missing. Well, bless God. Let's go out with nothing else missing. Amen? I mean, if you've got tonsils, keep them. I don't have any. They're already gone. Y'all are looking at me funny. But everything you've got on your body, keep it. Women, everything you've got, keep it. Right? Amen. All our organs intact. amen cuz that's what he says he wants to do he wants to preserve your whole spirit your whole soul and your whole body blameless that word blameless means faultlessly or also it means without blemish i don't know about you but i think that when 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 something's been cut off that that's a kind of a blemish and man if hey before i knew any better And before I had revelation that I have now, there's some things that aren't here that used to be that got cut off. Because the doctor said this needs to go. But now I know that Jesus wants to preserve blameless. My whole spirit, soul, and body. Amen? And He wants to do that until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word there, preserve, we read to keep one in the state in which He is, but Vine's expository dictionary says, listen to this, to preserve as a unit. To preserve as a unit. So take that spirit and that soul and body, He wants to preserve the whole thing as a unit. But the body of Christ is a lot of times just believed, well, God just really cares about the spirit. And so we've let the devil... Sometimes wreck havoc with our bodies, thinking that God you know he, you know he's going to give us a resurrected body one of these days, but really you know he just cares about your spirit, and then when God says he wants to heal you, he's really talking about spiritual healing there, but it says here in Vines that he wants to preserve our spirit and our soul and body, he wants to preserve it as a unit, in other words, he's not seeing it all separate. He's sealing you all as one. And the fact is, family, when we have something taken off of our body or when our body is hurt or wounded or sick, I'm going to tell you something, it affects our spirit. And so God can't effectively preserve my spirit if He doesn't preserve this body. And you know people that have a limb cut off, why do you think they have phantom limb? What do they call that? Well, there's a phantom limb pain. In other words, they'll have a missing arm and that arm will lay there and ache and it's not even there. Well, there's a spirit arm there. There's a spirit arm there. That's why when God gets ready to put an arm back on, it's no problem because there's already an arm there. It's already there. All He has to do is grow flesh over or put flesh over something that's already there. And so, for God to preserve me, He's got to preserve the whole thing. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm fighting off sickness and disease, I tell you what—it affects me spiritually. It's a, it affects me. I am not as effective. I fought off some ungodly crud Thursday, and uh, and uh, praise God, God's a healer. But I'm telling you what—it affected me. It I, it was it was. It was hard to get over in the spirit and be very spiritual when you're you know when your nose is dripping on your toes, you know, and all sorts of stupid stuff like that. Oh, I tell you, I hate the devil, don't you? I hate it, I mean, praise God, but you know Michael told me he said, Debbie, you got healed fast, I did because I pressed in, I pressed in there, and I asked the Lord, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, it seems to me like now, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but it seems to me that the hardest thing in the world to get healed of is a cold. I mean, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why? You know, anything else attacks your body, and it's like, man, i tell you, it's like, boy, that thing, it doesn't even get a hold on me. Brother Hagen says, and this is my goal, that when something attacks his body, an hour and a half is as long as the symptom stays, has ever stayed on his body. Hallelujah. Boy, that's where I'm setting my faith to get. Okay, so I said, why do, is a cold so hard to get rid of? And I the Holy Ghost spoke up inside of me. This is what I believe I heard Him say. You just see what you think. I believe He said, because you nurse it. And what do we do for a cold? More than anything. More than anything. I mean, I tell you, a pain can hit my leg, and boy, I'd start taking authority over it. I, I don't know about you, but i jump on that thing you know about 6 months ago i woke up one morning and that thumb it wouldn't even bend this i don't know i didn't even know i've never had anything like that before but i tell you i jumped on that thing and i said no 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 i am not taking that my little grandmother her fingers were all bent crooked you know she got healed of arthritis but before she got healed of it it did some damage and so she had crooked little fingers and uh uh But uh, boy, that thumb was stiff. And I jumped on that thing. Boy, I was just like a chicken on a June bug. I tell you. I mean. But sometimes we don't do that for some other things. You know. Mm -hmm. And we kind of nurse it. And another thing we do sometimes is we start getting a little symptom. And we kind of just don't want to think about it. And we just start hoping it will go away. And family, that is not the right approach. It is not the right approach. If we would jump on everything, just like I mean the least little symptom if you would just jump on it. I mean don't wait till it's a full blown thing. But I mean you're just walking down the street. Have you ever just walked down the street and your ankle just kind of a pain or something shoot through your ankle? Or I'm just, I mean, I'm just pulling that out of the air, but just you know how that is. Man, I tell you, you need to, you need to attack that right there. But one thing we do when we get a cold is we go take some stupid Theraflu or something, and it makes our our brain so numb that we can. I mean, you know, that stuff just makes. I, I would not take it. I didn't take it this time. Usually I would, and normally that's what I do. But I didn't this time because I thought I am not. I've decided it just makes me feel worse in a different way. I mean, you know, you do you know how it is. So I just gotten the word. I just gotten the word. And you know, Thursday afternoon, I, I went to pray for the service, and I got in the word. I'd been in the word all day, and and you know what? I just I tell you what, I got that yoke off of me. I was praying, and and I got over there, and I saw that yoke on me. I saw. I said, man, there's a yoke on me, God, and it's not broken off. But I began to put it under the word, and I tell you what, I knew. I knew in my spirit the yoke broke off, and I knew I had conquered it. I mean, I knew I had it. You know how when you know you have it and then you know how when you know I'm I'm believing for healing, but I don't got it yet. You know? And so, but I knew I had it. And you know the Holy Ghost said to me right after I knew I had it, the Holy Ghost said, don't go out in the night air. Well, the hardest thing I ever did was call Philip and say, I'm not coming tonight. Because I'm the kind that's like, suck it up. I'm the kind that believes if you're sick, come to church so you can get healed. I believe like that. But, I had a little obedience test, and so I I said, I'm going to pass this obedience test, and I'm going to obey you, Lord, and so I did, and I didn't sit home and watch whatever was on Thursday night. I didn't watch Wonderful Life and all that. I got out Gloria Copeland's healing school, and I went to healing school. Praise God, and then I walked around my house Praising God that I was healed. Praising God that the devil was under my feet. Praising God that I was delivered. And I tell you what, I woke up the next morning and went to town. Amen? That's how you have to do it sometimes. And that's why I'm telling you. So God wants to preserve your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body. The version says there, to be, to be preserved entire, to be kept intact entire, to be kept intact. I, I don't know about you, but this ministers to me big time. This ministers to me that I can believe God to be, to, that when He appears, when Jesus comes back, or if He tarries, when I step over, over into that other realm and I go to heaven because I'm 120 years old, or however old I am, but I'm really old, Amen. Amen? Satisfied with long life. And when I step over there, I mean, Colin and Eric will be ready to get rid of me by then. <laughs> They'll be like, Mama, go! <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so by that time, but, but I, I, it comforts me to think I can be all in one piece. I can be intact. Well, turn over there to... Uh, Let's turn over to 1 Peter. So let's just make up our mind right now. I've just made up my mind. Let's just draw and make up our mind. I'm going intact. I'm going in one piece. Amen? I'm I'm going healed whole and healthy. Well, Debbie, how are you going to die? Well, I like how... uh, I like how, you know, some people I've heard about do it. You just... Yeah, you just you just uh here's how Gloria says it, you die by departure. You just depart. I know she was telling about uh Brother Mac Hammond, you know, has a church, I think it's in Minneapolis or somewhere like that, one of those places. Somewhere up there. Anyway, is that Minneapolis? Okay. And and she's talking about a man in his church, a really old saint of God, a real prayer warrior man. I mean, a man that walked in the glory of God, really knew God. And he came up on the stage one day at church. He was really old and he, I mean, this guy walked with God. And he came up on the stage one day and I think Brother Mac had him say something or something. And Brother Mac hugged him and they were embraced and he just departed. He wasn't sick or anything. He just departed. And here Brother Mac is standing holding his shell or whatever, you know. Just holding that body, that'd be an interesting feeling, wouldn't it? Yeah. he's holding him, and he just departed, just gone, and see you can do that, you don't so we can be preserved, but i'm I'm holding out, I'm praying, I don't know about you, but I'm asking God, I want to be in the rapture, Lord, I want to be in the rapture, I want to experience that, so I'm asking you, Lord, let me be in the rapture. And and you know, I have Scripture and verse. I have Scripture and verse. I'm not going to give it to you. You've got to get your ramus for God on your own. You can't take my ramus and live on them. You've got to get your ramus from God on your own. But God gave me Scripture. And I'm standing on it. Amen? You say, well, I don't know if God would tell you that. Well, He did, uh, he did Simeon. He told Simeon, You won't die, Simeon, until you see the Messiah. And so Jesus comes in. uh, Mary, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple, I think, when he was seven or eight days old or something, wasn't it? And Simeon says, Well, there he is. And he just departed. I can go now. You know? So, praise God. Okay, we're over in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1 verse 5 says, okay, here we're, we're, we're to be kept, we're to be preserved blameless. Who are kept by the power of God through faith? Just underline or highlight that part right there. Who are kept by the power of God through faith? Well, how are you kept? I'm kept. I'm kept by the power of God through faith. I say that. That's underlined. That's one of my scriptures that I read on a regular basis. And I confess, I'm kept by the power of God through faith. I'm kept. I'm kept. How are you kept? I'm kept by the power of God through faith. I believe it. I believe I'm kept. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about it. Now turn back to 1 Thessalonians. To that same place we were. Because this, this, now this blessed me. The other day, I, I've had this scripture highlighted and I read this as a regular part of my healing scriptures and God's medicine scriptures that I take on a regular basis. But one day I was reading it and it just jumped out of me. Beginning there in verse 23, "...and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." Faithful is He. That part just jumped out at me. The next line says, Faithful is He. Family, the reason we can be so confident, the reason we can be so sure is because faithful is He. He is so faithful. Faithful. Oh, faithful is He. I don't know if that blesses you, but it blessed me so much. He is faithful. Faithful is He. You know, sometimes I don't have it all together, but faithful is He. Amen? Oh, I'm telling you, family, whatever God's promised you, and you know, if you don't have any promises you're standing on, I feel sorry for you. And you need to get alone with the Holy Ghost. And you need to let Him give you some promises. Because I've got some promises. I mean, I've got the whole Bible promises. And I've got Scriptures that I've got underlined that minister to me and bless me. But I've got some. I've got about six Scriptures that just as I fellowshiped with the Holy Ghost, that He gave me just for me. Just for me. And I know they're mine. And they're my rhema's. They're not just my Logos. They're my rhymes. And family, until you have a rhema, you don't have a sword. The Logos is not a sword, but your rhema that God gives you. You know, one rhema he gave me back in 1995 is Psalm uh, 105, verse 37. It, he he told me this. He, he gave me this Scripture, and I knew it was mine, and I latched hold to it. And it says, He brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among their tribe. You know, at the time, I thought, yes, He's bringing me silver and gold. Family, I didn't know how much I needed that Scripture. I didn't know what was coming. But I'm telling you what, when God's giving you a job to do, sometimes Satan comes in and he tries to oppose it. And he tries to oppose you. And I tell you though, when you've got that rhema, you can know that you're going to the other side because I know. Because why do I know? I know he because He told me He was going to bring me forth with silver and gold. So it doesn't matter what finances look right now, He's bringing me forth with silver and gold and there won't be any feeble in my tribe, which I translate that to be my family. So when my husband had symptoms on his body, I said there won't be any feeble in my family. Amen? And you know, that means that Eric and Colin and Chris, they get the benefit of all of that because there's not going to be any feeble in my tribe. But you know what I did? I took that Scripture over and I said, well, this church, this Word of Life family church, they're my spiritual family. And so I'm saying I don't have any feeble in my spiritual family either. Amen? So if you want to get in that Scripture, just get in it with me. And say, I'm in her family, Lord. And you promised her there wouldn't be any feeble in her family. You need to get you some Ramas. The Lord wants to give you some. But until you have them, you just take these general promises of God. They're for all of us too. And it just takes one to get healed on. It just takes one to prosper on. But I have some some specific things that the Holy Ghost has told me. I know I'm going to be wealthy. He told me He's bringing me out with silver and gold, bringing me forth. Thank you, Jesus. So what has he told you? He wants you to he wants you to latch hold of that and because faithful is he. Faithful is he. He'll be faithful over it. He'll be faithful over what he's promised you. And I'm telling you, when you have something he's promised you, I mean all hell can break out against you. But you know what? You can just keep walking by faith. You can just keep walking by faith because you know faithful is he. You know, faithful is He. And you can just keep speaking that Scripture. Amen? I I didn't have this Scripture down to talk about tonight, but it just keeps coming up in my heart. So let's just look at it over in James. The Holy Ghost showed me something other, oh, about a month ago, and I've been meditating on it. And I've been going to prepare a message on it, but I'll just talk about it tonight, and then y'all might get it again later. But over in uh, James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, he talks about, beginning in verse 1, he begins to talk about the tongue. And in verse 2, he says, For many things we offend all. If, many, if, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and look at that, able to bridle the whole body, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body, Behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. And you go on and read down there and he talks about your tongue, how it's a fire and it sets on fire the course of nature. But the Lord kind of showed me this in a different light one day. He, I was meditating on this in the light of confession. And how with our mouth, he says there, if with your mouth or with the tongue, you can bridle your whole body. So if I can get my tongue lined up, I can change anything in my body. I can change anything in my finances. I can change any situation in my life if I can get my tongue lined up with the Word of God. Amen? Well, it, it, as I was reading that and I went on down there to that verse where it starts talking about the ship, the Lord really helped me. Because sometimes, family, when we're making that faith confession, even though, and God's given us something and we're saying, I've. Praise God, I'm out of debt. Or praise God, uh, uh, you know, whatever you're believing for. Sometimes, my I men, you know, you can get weary sometimes, and you're going, "Why has this taken so long?" Or when you're believing for healing, sometimes I tell you what, you know, uh, it's not hard to get healed of the Lord. It is not hard to get healed at all. God heals easily, but I tell you, it's it, sometimes it's hard to stay healed. And the reason it's hard to stay healed is not the Lord. It's because Satan comes and whaps you again. Brother Hagen calls it the counterattack. And he says more people lose their healing in the counterattack than any other way. And I've been through this myself personally, where I would get a healing. I would get the healing of God manifested in my body, walk around for two weeks, and then Satan, it was just like Satan slapped me with something and it took me it took me a, a several i mean several months of walking this out to figure out all that is is the counterattack that's all it is okay so now back to this ship if you look there in in verse 4 behold also the ship which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever their governor listeth now here's how it is you're your life or your body or whatever your circumstances like a ship is going this direction going a certain direction and this this just visualize this is a huge cruise ship. and it says here that even though this ship is very huge it takes just a little bitty helm to turn this ship around and your life though there's all these circumstances though there's all these symptoms in your body though your finances i i'm telling you you may owe thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with this little helm, you can turn this situation around. Just this little. But, now this is how the Lord helped me. When you're on a big, big ship, a big, big ship turns very slowly. It's not like driving a sports car where you can whip that wheel around and that thing, phew. Now that little Suburban we had, that little Suburban. Family, you had to have a city block to turn that thing around in. Now I got me a car, I can turn it around on a dime. But a big ship, it take it takes it a long. In fact, now I've heard, I've never been on one, that when a ship is turning, say a ship's going this direction and it wants to turn completely 180 degrees around and go the total opposite direction, that when a ship is turning, it turns in such a way so slowly that you are not even aware. And the Holy Ghost helped me. Because sometimes we're confessing and we're confessing and we're confessing and things are turning, but we can't tell they are. It's just like, man, are these symptoms doing any? Are these symptom? These symptoms aren't bowing their knee. Family, things are. T- it's like that ship. It's turning. But we just need to keep on because our tongue is all we need to change our circumstances. All you need, you don't need something else. Sometimes we think if I I need something else besides, no, you don't. You don't need anything but your mouth. But you just got to keep that mouth on track and that ship will just turn. And first thing you know, you'll be turned around. You'll be going the other way. But you just got to keep on. But what we do is because it's slow. And for some reason, we expect it to be fast. But he told us here, it's going to be like a ship. Well, yeah, sometimes it's like a horse. In verse 3, it talks about the horse. Now, when you put a bit in a horse's mouth and you turn it, he turns quick. It's like that sports car I told you about. And sometimes, in some situations, we speak something and it happens just like that. But sometimes, because of us, because of because things have to be changed inside of us. Because mindsets and ways we believe and ways we've been taught and wrong ways of thinking and and uh, the world programming us for a certain way of thinking. And all the input we have from the world. And sometimes the input we have from family. You know, if you get sick, your family's all going to give you their opinion of how you, what you Have you ever noticed that? I mean they're all going to give you their their opinion, and I'm telling you, none of it matters, none of it counts, none of it's worth a hill of beans. Only thing that matters is what does God say. And so because of that, sometimes it takes a long time because we've been going this way so long, and we just need to keep on. We just need to keep on keeping on. We just need to stay on our confession. We need to just stay on track. Just stay on what God said. Just stay on what He told you. What did He tell you? Just stay on it. Just stay on it. What did He say? What did He say about your finances? What did He say? Just stay on it. Just stay on it. Just stay on it. Just stay on track. I have to tell myself that sometimes, Debbie. Just stay on track. Because see, what Satan tries to get you to do is to get off track, and all of a sudden you've got this ship turning, but all of a sudden you say nothing's happening. All of a sudden it starts turning back the other way. And then you, it's like a lot of times we, we, we drive like this. I mean, spiritually. My little grandmother, she drove like that. She did not know they had invented power steering. You know, back in the olden days, this, how many of you are old enough to remember before power steering? You remember. Remember how big the wheel was? I'm going to hold this under my arm, Barry. I know it's a terrible. but And you remember you drove like this. Well, then they invented power steering and the little wheel went, it's small now. And my little grandmother, she drove down the road like she did. I promise you, she it was horrible ride with her. She drove just like this, even with power steering. Well, a lot of us drive like that spiritually. We drive like Granny Hicks. We drive spiritually just like that. Oh, we're just driving along, but Satan throws something in our path. We jerk that wheel back. And then we get back we say, oh, no, 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 I'm getting back on my confession, and we go back like this. And then something comes our way, and well... I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, you know, And I don't know. I just, I don't know. God, what are we going to do? Lord, I, I'm talking to myself, family. I've been through this. And so we're back and forth like this. And that ship, it don't know which way. But if we'd just stay steady with our mouth, if we'd just stay steady, that ship would turn around. Amen. That thing would turn around. So, family, you need to stay steady. You need to stay steady with, I'm out of debt. You need to stay steady with, I have a raise. I have promotion. Amen? You need to stay steady with, I have checks in the mail. You need to stay steady with, uh, with your confession about your body. I'm healed, and I know that I'm healed. You need to stay steady. Amen? I tell you, let's end with this Scripture, but turn over to uh, James. We're in James. Turn to chapter 1. This is one thing I... See, you take, you take the promises that God has promised you. Not the things He's promised me, but the things He spoke to you. It'll never... You've got to get it for yourself. God doesn't have grandchildren. You can't take my revelation. And and you won't be a success on my revelation. You can get a little ways on it, but you can't get very far on my revelation and what God said to my life and what God said. You've got to take your revelation. And so then you take your revelation and the Scripture God's given you and you preach it to your circumstances. Some of you think, I I, I think God's calling me to preach. He is to your circumstances. And that's the only place, a lot of you. But start preaching to your circumstances. And you preach that Word to them. And you know what you do? This is one of the Scriptures. I'm just going to share this one personally. You know, um, when I was believing God for healing, the enemy would tell me, you're not going to get it. The enemy would tell me, you're going to die. I mean, he told me that you don't know how many times he told me that. I mean, it was like, see, Satan doesn't just come by and say, well, I mean, sometimes he doesn't you're going to die. No, it's like a machine gun, honey. Let me tell you, when Satan's, when he launches a tackle with you, it's like a machine gun. And I'm telling you, it's like it's your mind so hard and so fast, so many thoughts of dying and so many thoughts of disease. I mean, it's just like it was, it was like, it was, man, a lot. And he would tell me, You're not going to get it. Why? I, you're, 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 I'd go in the ladies' restroom and I'd go and shut the door, you know, in those, you know, sometimes they're little bitty. I know you men don't know, but sometimes they're little bitty. And he'd say, They're going to come in here. They're going to have to. I don't know how they're going to get this door unlocked. And you're going to be passed out on the floor and they're going to drag you out from underneath this. I mean, he would tell me that. He would tell me that. And he would tell me, you know, Michael's down in the basement. That was in trouble. Well, he's in the basement. And uh you're gonna pass out in this bathroom and he'll never you'll lay here for three hours and he won't know you're here. I'm and you just it was just a bombardment of thoughts. There was a you know, it was an attack against my mind as much as it was against my body. And uh, and he'd say, You you don't know enough about faith, you don't have enough faith, and you don't know enough, and uh and uh and he would tell me your grandmother didn't i mean he would tell me that and and you know he he would bring all i mean he brought up everything he would tell he 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 yo know, he brought up every time everything i'd ever done to miss it or or you didn't obey god here and and you know you weren't merciful you know you weren't merciful when your grandmother you know you weren't very merciful i mean i tell you it was just something else, but here's the scripture. And this Scripture will help you. In chapter 1, verse 25, I don't know what lies that Satan is telling you, but I promise you he's lying to you. He is lying to you. And when I say Satan, it's really not Satan. He's not omnipresent. It's really just low-level little devils. Billy Brim says it's low-level devils. That's what it is. They are powerless. All they can do is lie to you and try to get you to buy the lie. And if you won't buy the lie, and so here's what I would say. I would take this Scripture in chapter 1, verse 25, and I'd say, no, I, I maybe I don't have it all together. But here's what I'm going to do. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the works, this man shall be his deed. And so I would just say to myself, okay... I'm just, I don't, I don't understand everything there is to understand about healing, but I'm asking you, Lord, to show me. And I'm just going to keep looking into this perfect law of liberty. And the Bible says if I'll just keep looking into this perfect law of liberty, and I'm just going to keep looking, and I'm going to look every day into this perfect law of liberty. And if I'll just keep looking, and I'm just going to keep looking, and I'm just going to keep looking into this perfect law of liberty. And it says if I will just keep looking into it, if I will continue therein, I will be blessed in my deeds. And you know what, family? Uh, there came a time when his lies didn't work anymore. Because I just kept looking. There came a time when it didn't work at all. I just kept speaking it every day. I, speak, I speaked it. I spoke it. <laughs> Whatever you want to say it. I spoke it when I felt good. I spoke it when I felt bad. I spoke it when I felt like speaking it. And I spoke it when I didn't feel like speaking it. And I'm still speaking it. And I just spoke it, and I spoke it, and I spoke it, and I spoke it, and I spoke it. I spoke it when I felt like I believed it, and I spoke it when I didn't feel like I believed it. I spoke it when I thought, I don't know if I believe this or not. But you know what? When Satan's hitting your mind like that, you can't figure out if you believe it or not anyway. I mean, I didn't know if I was up or down. I didn't know if I, you know, some of you identify with that, because you've been there. I didn't know if I was in faith or not, so I just kept speaking it. I just kept acting like I was in faith because I was hoping I was. And I did ask the Lord, Lord, correct me and perfect my faith. Correct me where I'm wrong. But one day, you know what I realized? I realized I am in faith. I am in faith. I believe this. One day it dawned on me. I really believe it. And that's the way favor is too. You know, that started out the first of this year. We was talking about favor. And I believed it, but now I really believe Now I got hold of it. Amen? Well, you know, sometimes we've come from poverty backgrounds. We've come from poverty ways of thinking. And it takes a while to get the ship going. But if we'll ask the Lord, Lord, You perfect that which concerns me. I begin to ask Him that. Lord, you. I, I would pray that Scripture where Jesus, I figured if Jesus could pray this, I could. You know, it says Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. I figure, hey, if Peter can if Jesus prayed that for Peter, I can pray that for myself. So I said, Lord, I pray my faith will not fail. That somehow, some way, you will help me so that my faith does not fail. And he did. He made some corrections to some things I some to some ways I'm thinking. I had to make some corrections in my life. Praise God. Praise God. If you'll just stay on it. If you'll just stay on it. And I, I'm telling you this tonight because I don't want you to come up here. On January, I mean, excuse me, December 31st, 1997, say, Well, days of heaven are over. I want you to stay on it. I want you to stay on it. I want you to stay on it. God wants you to stay on it more than I do. Amen. And I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to stay on it. I'm just going to keep looking into that purpose. I'm just going to keep, and I tell you what, the more I look in it, the freer I get. Praise God. And I told, you know what? Satan done messed up when he touched me. You know what? Satan messed up when he touched you. I tell you what. You know what he did? He gave me a healing ministry. Well, actually, God had already given it to me. I tell you what. He, because I had to rise up in my faith, it just put me over in it.